from CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody? We're down here at the Pepsi Center, a special podcast. Ross Martin's still out on assignment, still stuck in Toronto after that, that Nuggets road trip, so hopefully he'll be back soon. Make his way all the way down here from Thornton. We've got the king himself, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? And uh, since this is a special uh, podcast, Nate, we have a special guest. We do. We have Nuggets general manager, Tim Conley, with us. What's up, guys? I don't think this is my fourth or fifth. Or yeah, you're just, like, your probably time. no longer special. Oh, you're not. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, because I think you have been our most frequent guest. It'll be special so, when you get to meet guys. Really struggling to get talent. Huh? <laughs> well, I mean, oh, we'd get Phil Jackson on, but he wasn't talking. <laughs> yeah. about. Do you think Ross is even a real person at this point? Uh, you know, I've I've never seen this Ross you speak of. <laughs> um, I wouldn't put it past you guys. Um, is is it one of the puzzles? Ty Lawson is that Ross? <laughs> yes. Could have been. Yes, Could have been. Ross is Ross is a mysterious. He's Bob Sakamano. Is what the movie is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Art Vandalay. Sid Finch. Art Vandalay. Yeah. Yeah. All those guys. So, obviously, we're in the first, still, what, the quarter of the first season? Quarter of the way first? 20, 22 games. 22 yeah. games in. So, we wanted to ask, how do you how do you go about evaluating how the season's going? Like, what, what, what are you looking for? What markers are you looking at? Yeah, you know, with re- relying on so many young players, and certainly with the new coaching staff, I think um, we're, we're always, um, we want to be extremely patient and, and kind of look for trends. And trends aren't necessarily... Um, are going to be reflective in wins or losses. I think uh, so I, I love um, the work ethic that our team has right now. I, I love um, our coach staff has done a fantastic job. Um, I like the improvement a lot of our young guys have shown. Um, yeah, it's great to see Gallo back there. I think he's playing some of the best basketball he's ever played. Um, and we had to be – we had actually an excellent meeting yesterday collectively as a staff, front office and coaches, just you know, four hours of talking about various things. We meet every, I'd say, seven to nine games because we don't want to meet emotionally. We don't want to meet when we're, you know, ah, we lost seven in a row, let's meet. Um, and in, in the course of those meetings, we talk about, um, you know, all the different metrics that we kind of talked about prior to the start of the season. What are we hitting? What are we missing? Um, how can we um, further improve um, the, these young guys' approach to the game? Um, but it's certainly um, it's not one thing. Um, I'm not happy with our record. Uh, certainly Coach Malone isn't happy with the record, but I, I do – I like the way we're trending, and I, and I like the kind of the uh, identity that we're starting to develop in terms of uh, work ethic and approach. Is it hard to really gauge and, like, you really even evaluate a team when you just – injury after injury after injury? Yeah, it's, it's – I'll tell you, um, look, injury is part of the game, but I, I do think relative to the guys that we lost um, and some some of the other teams that have had injuries, it's been very well publicized and kind of used as a crutch. And um, yeah. when you talk about uh, Yuka, you talk about Wilson Chandler, Joffre, Gary, Kenneth missed games, Darrell's missed games. Um, I think we've we've been as banged up as anybody. That's some pretty um, pretty important yeah. positions. Um, but you know, it's an opportunity for other guys to play, and, and some of those guys have really taken advantage and ran with it. But it, it's hard on the coaches. Uh, the other day, I think we had eight healthy bodies. Um, yeah. it, it's it's really impacts how you playing your off days as well. You know, how much player development can you do? Can you go live in practice? So uh, the coaches are doing a fantastic job in, in less than ideal situations, and hopefully we get – I mean, th- I sound like a broke record. Hopefully we get the injuries out once and for all yeah. <laughs> this year. Yeah. Well, uh, Malone was talking uh, yesterday at practice that uh, it was hard because they only had seven or eight 
you know, bodies they could put put in there and, you know, what can you do in that situation? So they did a lot of one-on-ones and a lot of like three-on-three drills, you know, and stuff like that to where they can like really focus on individual yeah. things. And I, I, I mean, I eventually, I suppose when p- uh, healthy people come back, you'll be able to adequately gauge where you're at. But even then, I mean, Nurkic, when he comes back, uh, he's got the patellar. I mean, is he going to be okay? Nurkic, sort of quote, when he comes back, you know? Yeah, we have to be, uh, we actually talked about that yesterday. We have to be patient with our expectations of the Yuka, and Yuka's uh, worked his tail off, and he's a very, very aggressive and confident guy. He's got to be patient with himself. Um, you know, you don't miss that much time and um, return to the court exactly where you were. And, and furthermore, uh, you know, Yuka's 21. <laughs> you know, I think he's not even a full seven years of basketball. So yeah. the, the biggest challenge, I think, oftentimes with the injuries, is you have guys playing roles they shouldn't play. You're asking some guys to do things that they're they're not meant to do, and at times that really puts guys in tough situations, and it's not pretty basketball. Um, so again, it's it's very difficult for the coaches. Um, we, we've got guys who all want to be out there, um, and hopefully um, the injury bug will be um, completely out of our system as this year progresses. Uh, Wilson looks great. He's walking. He's going to start traveling with the team. Yuka looks fantastic. We're going to have him back, um, you know, very, in the very near future. Um, he's pr- practicing. Um, you know, he, he's right there. Um, Joffrey's back is back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Gary had the concussion, which is scary. You know, we have to be very leery of those things. Um, so we're getting there, um, but it, it hasn't been fun and it hasn't been easy, um, certainly on the coaching staff. Had it been the NFL, Gary would have been back weeks ago. Bigger helmet. Two games. Huh? So and we heard from, I guess, via Chris Marlowe had talked to Nurkic, and he was hoping for the end of December. Are you guys still no real set timeline on that? Just kind of. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's Dan and Steve, certainly. I, I don't want to speak for the, the people who are much smarter than I am, yeah. but I think that's a, a fair time frame. I think um, he's right there. Um, he'll probably get looked at one more time by a surgeon just to make sure everything is um, progressing as we think it is. Um, and, and that'll happen um, this week. He, I mean, he's really knocking the door. But uh, yeah, I don't want to give a date um, because those guys haven't given me a date yet, so I don't want to kind of speak out of school. So you, you've gotten to see, you know, you knew Emmanuel Moutier heading into the draft. Now that you've gotten to know him a little bit, what have you, what have you gotten to know about him that you like? And, and, and how, do you, how do you guys gauge his season thus far, and, and what do you look at for him? Yeah, I think, I think you know, it's kind of what we expected. Uh, some really good ups, some really you know dramatic downs. Um, he's playing what I what I believe to be the most talent rich uh, position in modern basketball. You know, the last twenty years, I can't think of a position where every single night you're seeing a very good to great player. Um, he only played eleven games last year, um, so we knew it was going to a lot of bumps um, were going to be expected, and certainly we've seen those things. Um, the the physical wear and tear, you know, 82 games after um, after having a very limited pro season last year. Um, yeah. I think he's he's doing a fantastic job. I think we need to continue to to um, to make sure that he knows that you know you don't become great overnight. And, and a lot of these nights, you know, quite frankly, these guys are more more mature, more developed. They've they've had these growing pains, and now they're they're where they are because of those difficult times early in the career. So I think it's um, I think the coach is doing a fantastic job. Um, letting him play with freedom, pointing out areas where he can improve upon. Um, yeah, he, I, he's just an exciting guy to watch the development. And I think the key for all of us, uh, and Emmanuel included, because he's, he's such a good guy and such a perfectionist, is like it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's, yeah. 
When you're, when you're playing, I mean, a couple of weeks ago it was Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Tony Parker. That's pretty tough. Yep. You know, yeah. Yep. Three first, first Battle Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we, we've done a good job internally, and we've got to continue to do so with all our young guys. We've got to temper expectations. Um, we have to make sure they're learning through these these rough patches and in short tell them there's light at the end of the tunnel you know you're not the first rookie to go through these these uh, struggles um and as a kid he's fantastic um you know got to know the family a little bit of great he's um he's exactly what's advertised well it's interesting to me because you know i I've, I've explained to people he's the of the rookies that came in he's the most rookie because he only played a handful of games in china and, like said 11 games yeah right? and it's just it's 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 different to gauge him than it is the other players because he really is almost essentially out of high school. And within that context, you know, the struggles are going to happen. And, you know, he's not getting in the end games last handful. And it's part of the learning experience. It's not like, you know, a certain situation in another place with a rookie point guard. This is more of a learning thing. And do you think that this is important for him to go through these struggles to and it, it kind of – because everyone sees the flashes, but to kind of take this forward and learn from the mistakes and the turnovers and all that. Sure, stuff. I, I don't. I just think it's unavoidable. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you can point to any great player, especially at his position. Uh, n- no one's great off the bat. Um, it, it, nobody comes to mind. At least I, I can't think of any of the guys that are at the top of their game right now. The Steph Curry's um, was not the prettiest maturation process early on. Yeah. Uh, Tony Parker and Pop. Um, really struggled yeah. to be on the same page for a long time. There was a pursuit of Jason Kidd in there. Um, you know, I, I look at a guy like Jeff Tigg. I talk about taking like walking before he could run. He's, yeah. he's, you know, he's a near elite point guard right now that yeah. w- was, you know, after the first two years in the league, there was real questions about his sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I think certainly it's just a fact of the NBA life. Yep. There, there's so many really really good players when you're 19. And starting against these guys, you're going to be at the, the wrong end of the curve yep. um, most nights. And you learn and, and you take your lumps and you allow these moments of struggles not just to, to help you kind of um, become more educated in the process, but also as motivation, you know. Yep. And I think Emmanuel's doing it. Um, I think Gary's uh, – Coach Mo says it quite a bit. Gary's fundamentally a rookie, uh, you know, yeah. for his limited minutes. I think Gary's – look at the jump he's made from year one to two. Yeah. And it's really, it's really fun to see. Um, Nicola – Yuka, Joffrey, uh, you know, Will Barton's first time playing rotation minutes. Um, you know, it's, we have to be realistic when we put these guys in situations to expect to be um, a, a lot of um, pitfalls during the growth process. But I think collectively I've seen way more good than bad from these guys, and it's pretty exciting. Yeah. And you think even – I mean, you look at that, that first game, Houston, where Moutier really stepped in and down the stretch, I thought, won the game for the team. I mean, he's had these big moments too. He had the 26-point night. He's had yep. these passes where your my colleague Travis Heath said looked like Magic Johnson on a few of these passes. You know, <laughs> where his vision is just incredible. So, you know, there are some bad, but there's been a lot of good, I think, too. And people right. shouldn't just focus on the negative with him. Yeah, no, he's, he's, look, Emmanuel's the toughest critic. He's got a long way to go, but there's there's no doubt in this building he's going to get there. And I think the flashes, coupled with who he is as a person, um, is what most excites us. So we we came into the season with our eyes open. We knew there was going to be a lot of. A lot of ugly nights from not just Emmanuel, but from playing a guy like Nicola or playing you know, 
Gary or Joffrey, when you're young in this league, you're going to struggle more often than not. But we're hopeful and we're confident that those struggles will lead to better players down the line. Well, I asked uh, Moody a couple days ago. I said, well, what are you working on in practice? What do you think your focus is? He says, everything. <laughs> yeah. So um, he basically, yeah, he understands it, and he really is his own worst critic. And it's just, you know, with a rookie point guard, it's a rookie point guard. And uh, that's, the mo- as you said, the most difficult most challenging in the modern NBA position. No question. You know, if we were, if the Nuggets were running, you know, like a hybrid of the triangle, and you would just need Derek Fisher out yeah. there to run it. But you know, in the, in the league right now, you really need a point guard, and it just takes a while for them to to get yeah. into it. Yeah, he also has a big time target on his back. Yeah, uh, the, the only starting rookie point guard. These guys, um, they all have a ton of respect for him. They also want to test him. You know, it's a competitive group he faces night to night. Um, but I, I think it's gonna only help him in the long run. Um, and, again, the coach is doing a fantastic job uh, working with him, keeping his confidence up, allowing him to make mistakes on the, on the court. And, and our veterans are doing a good job as well. So it's, it's, um, it'll be really neat to see how these struggles make him a, an improved player. We've seen a lot of guys, too, after the Clippers game where Chris Paul kind of took him aside and talked to him afterwards. Yep. And we've seen a lot of cool stuff like that as well where, you know, it's nice to see. And uh, a question that we've gotten, a few people have reached out and asked about, you know, do you guys have a shooting coach for Emmanuel Moutier? Is that something you maybe want to add, or have you even seen Mike Miller has been working with working him a little bit? Yeah, you know, I th- we have some really excellent development guys, uh, and John Beckett and August Dukovic yeah. and D Brown works with Emmanuel. D D's fantastic, uh, organizationally, uh, he's excellent, very creative. I've, I've been really impressed with getting to know D. Um, and then um, Mo had a great idea, and I think it spoke speaks to both Mo's um, creativity and his security. He said, hey, "The best shooter in this building is Mike Miller." Um, Mike works guys out in the summer. So uh, recently, Mike's kind of taken Emmanuel under his wing with the shooting. Um, so we're, we're hopeful that can um, help him a bit. Certainly, um, there's no one better to teach it than Mike. His J is so pretty. Um, so I, I think our development guys are um, do a great job with him. Uh, we don't have a, a shooting coach in particular. Um, we just have, um, you know, all those guys can, um, can coach a variety of skills. And I, I recently, Mike's kind of... Um, stepped in to be a you know a, a player coach a little bit yeah yeah i thought it was really cool at summer league i got a chance to talk to d brown i remember watching him with the celtics yeah really yeah. fun player uh, and i just asked him i said you know what interested you about coming to work with the nuggets and he said a chance to get to work with emmanuel moody every day it was a no-brainer yeah no he's he's <laughs> that's cool he's impressive man I, I didn't he's the one guy on the staff i didn't really have a relationship with priorities he's, he's been really impressive um I like how creative he is. It's, it's, he's, um, he's done a lot of good for our guys, and it's, we're lucky to have him on staff. You have two former Celtics on the staff, too. Uh, Eddie Pinkney. <laughs> Ed Pinkney, yeah. Yeah. So we got I, to, I remember watching him with that. And we got to chat a little bit with, with Malone. I asked him about Jokic a little bit the other day, and he said never would he have dreamed that you know he'd be the starting center for, for <laughs> you guys this year. And, and just watching him and just watching him a little bit off the court, too. I know when he comes out for games, you see him like, skipping through the tunnel, heading in. I mean, he just seems like such a nice guy. And I was talking with, with Jeff the other day. We were talking about a little bit of a difference where you see Nurkic on the court, and he almost wants to, like, kill people on the court. And Jokic, yep. is, he's such a nice guy. How have you, how are you guys rating him as the season goes along, too? He's fantastic. Um, he's just a completely pure kid. You know, no bad days. Again, very, very fortunate, much like Emmanuel. Uh, two great brothers. Uh, he's got his parents in town right now. Um, very, very firm family background. Uh, he's just a fun kid. I mean, he's, you know, he'll be the first to tell you. Three, four, three, four years ago, he was a six, 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 seven chubby point guard with no aspirations to play professionally. A um, couple years later, 
Um, I think you'd be hard pressed to, to find a handful of more intriguing and or, or talented rookies. Um, uh, his his skill level is is off the charts. His handle, I mean, he handles the ball like a point guard. His passing, I don't think we've really seen his passing yet. Um, his passing is is beyond unique. Um, his touch around the rim, uh, he's been surprisingly effective as a defender. We thought that would be a, more of a uh, more of a um, stumbling point early on. He's really taken to the weight room with Hess and Felipe. They've done a great job, kind of transforming his body. Um, he's just he's a great kid. I mean, with a capital G, the type of guy that you want to be around. Mm-hmm. His en- energy is infectious. He listens. He's coachable. Um, he's been a very pleasant surprise. We we had very high expectations for him, and we've talked about him in you know the years past. Yeah, we didn't think it was going to happen this quick. Um, much like Nurkic, we got to maybe change our expectations with these Balkan big guys. <laughs> <laughs> the Eastern Bloc. We got. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. He, um, Scott Hastings has always described him as a as a uh, puppy Great Dane. And it, it just kind of had looked like that. But there's kind of a uh, – what I've noticed with him is deceptively tough. I think it's the, the best way to put it. Um, and But his, high, his, his IQ is really high. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think his, um, he, he sees the game like a 30-year-old. Um, I think last year it really helped him. Um, he played for a team at Mega, where his, his agent um, – has a big role of that team, and it was a really good move by his agent um, to allow him to play in a team to make mistakes and play and play and play and, and be in positions um, where he's going to learn all the time. I mean, he wasn't a guy playing seven minutes a night at a bigger club. Um, so I, I give a lot of credit to um, his uh, international agent. I think the way they developed Nicola uh, allowed the IQ to kind of supersede athleticism and body type. Um, and I, I think he's very tough. I mean, just because he's a nice kid, he's, he's a very tough kid. Uh, he won't back down. Yeah. Um, his brother certainly won't back down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's, <laughs> I can't say enough good about him. Uh, and love the kid, love the family. Um, I, I hope he never leaves Denver. He's fantastic. Well, it's good. I mean, I really enjoyed the um, – mostly his IQ uh, has really impressed me. Uh, I do notice, did know that um, when the Malone put him in the second half of the Minnesota game, the first one in um, uh, the second game of the year, um, Towns' numbers kind of dipped. I mean, he had 20-something points, 26 points at like up to the fourth quarter and had two in the fourth quarter. And, and Nicola played the entire fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, and I, he, he played him really solidly. Yeah, he's a, he's a really bright kid. Um, and, and he's actually, you know, he's not the most... Um, Vertical of athletes. He's actually a pretty right. good athlete. He's got great hands. He moves well. He can run. He just, you know, he is. We, we joke about his vertical quite yeah. a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw him try to dunk. He really <laughs> understands how to use his length and his body. And he, he's, been, he's been well coached um, at the junior level. Certainly last year in Meg, he had a hell of a coach. Um, and his, you know, his brothers both played good players. He, he just he, the game is very slow to him in, in a positive sense. You know, it's. He's out there not really thinking. He's reacting because he understands the ebbs and flows of games. He understands movement. I think second, he'll get beat one move. He won't get beat with the same move for the rest of the night. Uh, at times, the physicality, you know, he's just a little late in the pants right now, and that'll change. Um, but, man, what a, what a bright future and what a fantastic kid. Do you have any idea when you traded for Will Barton that he would be playing such a role on this team this season? I'm a huge Will Barton guy. Um, You've known him for a long time. Right? Yeah, yeah. My my little brother's been working out for like six years. Okay. Um, so I was probably a little jaded. Um, Jared Jeffries played with him as a rookie. 
JJ Hickson played with him. Uh, Jarrett swore by Will since he came over here. Like, yeah. He's just a really good player. It's tough to play. Portland was such a good team, but if you're not a spot shooter, it's hard to play in Portland. Um, my, little, my, my brother nonstop, you know, the guy, the guy lives in the gym. He cares. He, he didn't let his early struggles prevent him from uh, continuing to work hard. Um, we, we thought he was a, uh, an undervalued guy, and we thought he'd be a very good player. Um, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't have any specific numbers or roles in place. I just, we thought he was a rotation guy, yeah. and, a, and a guy you've given an opportunity who's going to run with it. Um, I'm really proud of him. Uh, this summer, he absolutely lived in the gym. Um, I, I love kind of the the natural energy he plays with. You don't have to rev him up. Um, yeah. I'm just, you know, we never know, but we, we were pretty high on him. It was not, yeah. he was he was a focus of that trade. Um, but, you know, you never know. And he, he's taken the opportunity around with it. You know, he, he finished the year very strong last year. Um, he wanted to come back to Denver. We were lucky enough to, <laughs> to sign him back up for three years. And he hasn't missed a beat. Um, and I'm just, I'm more proud of him. You know, I, don't, I don't know what we expected, quite frankly. Yeah. I thought he could do this. But it was it was just a shot in the dark, especially his shooting. I mean, I, that was kind of where people had worried about his game. Is he going to be able? And he's a forty percent three point shooter so far. I mean, that's yeah, the shooting's. I think the shooting's a little unfair. For, he's always been a really good free throw shooter, a good mid range shooter, um, and you know he is such a naturally uh, attacking slasher type player. Where um, I mean, I, the guys joke with me. I can't shoot a lick when we play. It's maybe it's a Baltimore <laughs> thing. I think a jumper's a bad <laughs> shot, you know. So it's I'll catch from ten. I want a two footer, and I joke with Will. Will's one of the last playground players. Like he still played outside, and you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you play outside a lot. You're not shooting a lot of jumpers. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, I, he always had a nice touch. Um, if you look at his free throw shooting numbers, I think it's indicative of that. Um, limited minutes, it's hard to put up good three point shooting numbers when you're a guy like Will. Um, so I, I don't think the shooting's a fluke either. I mean, I've like I've. I've gotten worn out with updates over from Barton for the last six years from our brother Dan. So he, he was just 92 for 100 from three or whatever it was. <laughs> um, so I, I don't think it's flukish. I think it's really hard to make shots in limited minutes. And I think um, he's such a rhythm guy. Um, I don't know if he, I don't know what it's going to end up shooting on the year. But, you know, what, what, the years passed, there was real questions about his ability to spread for as a shooter beyond the arc. Um, and I, I think he's kind of answered those critics. And I think – what we're seeing is he's only going to go up from here. Because, again, first time he's ever had these minutes and first time he's um, been featured at times. And, again, another guy the coach is doing a great job with allowing him to play through mistakes, allowing him to be aggressive. Allow, you know, Will's an aggressive guy and yeah. at, at times too aggressive. But coaches have done a great job not harnessing him too much and really allowing him to be that guy. Yeah. It's fun to watch. Yeah, it's, it's in, interesting how uh, consistently aggressive he's been this year. And yeah. it's nice to have someone on the bench who can come in and just do that sort of thing. Because, I mean, uh, you, when you come in from the bench, you need energy. Yeah, no and, and especially since the bench unit is essentially small, you're going to have to play with that that way. And I, I really think that spark plug is something the Nuggets have need, needed um, early in this year. Yeah, it's his rebounding, his energy. Um, he's he, he's just a fun guy too. Yeah. Will doesn't have many bad days. Um, yeah. He's always upbeat. Uh, real, I think another guy underrated, underrated basketball IQ. Obsessed with basketball. Yeah. So he's always talking about this high school kid, this college kid, or he's you know he really really um, you know breathes, lives, sleeps the game, and that's that really I think comes out in his game. Um, he's he's a fun guy, and um, a guy again that we're pretty fortunate to have and we, we don't want him leaving here anytime soon yeah I, I, before we go i wanted to jump back on Jokic for a second just to follow up i, I had this question i didn't get out to you is that, do you see him as a 
center or power forward. Because as well as he's playing Nurkic coming back, he's definitely a five. Is there is there a way scenario you're saying where he could play power forward, or is there some is this like strictly he has to be a five kind of situation? Uh, that's up to coach. Um, I think both guys, um, and I might be the I think both guys could play both. Okay, uh, it's because of IQ, their ability to step away and make a shot, um, and athletically both guys are you know uncommon. Now, again, you don't hear athleticism often with Nikola. Pretty good lateral quickness, smart, mm-hmm. can get up and down. And then, you know, Yuka's a, a rare athletic breed. I mean, the way he moves laterally. Um, so I, that's tough to coach. Um, but certainly I, I think those guys are so unique with their ability to step away, not just as shot makers but facilitators, both excellent passers. And I, I do think that not every power forward, I think both those guys can defend a lot of power forwards in the league. I know looking at just looking at the Western Conference, you, you're starting to see. I thought maybe there'd be six, probably six seeds locked up, and yeah. it's really you know due to injury, obviously with the Pelicans and whatever's happening with Houston. I mean, there's a lump of teams from basically seven, you know, Utah, Houston, Phoenix, the Timberwolves, the Blazers, Kings, and Nuggets are all pretty much lumped together. You guys are all kind of lumped together. And, mm-hmm. You had such a new team heading into the season, a difficult schedule to start. You have a bunch of home games coming up later in the season, I think in January um, and, and forward. And we get questions from people saying, you know, they need to be developing young guys and playing these young guys a lot. And there's a kind of a push and pull with Malone of, you, you know, he's walking that tightrope where you, you have to develop young guys, but you also want to win games. And if you have a chance to maybe, you know, chase a seventh or eighth seed, if, if the team starts to gel and come together later – I mean, how do you, how tricky is that balance for you guys of of trying to figure out development and and trying to win games as well? well development's you know certainly crucial this season, but we want to win too. I mean, it's it would be impossible for any of us to, any of us to go into a season, I think, placing anything over winning. Um, um, we're in a unique spot because we're relying on so many young guys. Um, I think Mo's done a fantastic job walking that tightrope, um, where our young guys are getting extensive minutes. But if there's mistakes that need to be you know addressed, they're addressed. And some sometimes the best way to um, to learn, I think, is to um, is to watch the guy in front of you. And for, fortunate enough for us, we have some veterans who are off to a rough start. Um, you know, their numbers are inconsistent where they've been, um, but it hasn't changed their approach. It hasn't changed um, kind of their their uh, their mental. Um, approach to the game i think it's been very helpful so we pretty much every young guy has a vet he can look at his position and say how you know how would you do this how did you do that um and i think at times we've recently we've closed out some games with a more veteran lineup um a little more trustworthy lineup and at times you're going to see all the young guys out there um but i think that's what coach malone and step have been excellent at picking and choosing hey, develop 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 <laughs> but if if our best chance to win a tight game is pick your five players well it would be a disservice to the team and uh, not just the veterans but the young guys as well if we didn't go for those wins so it's you're right it's hard um it the injuries have made it harder not because it, there hasn't been opportunity with injuries create opportunity but more so role definition with injuries has been difficult um yeah. but it's um I, I think mo's doing a great job but you're right it's 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 that fine line um and in the Western Conference, I agree that we have um, our pre-season pre, uh, meetings. We thought there were seven locks. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't appear to be the case anymore, and, and it's very jumbled. 
you know, down at the bottom of the Western Conference standings? Well, a lot of teams have the same record, or at least within, as he was pointing out, within a couple games of the same yeah. record in the, yeah. in the conference. Um, and, and, and along the lines of, you know, the development versus winning and stuff like that, I mean, you've had to play, he's had to play Gallo a lot of minutes, even with a bone bruise mm-hmm. on his, in, his, in his leg. Um, does it concern you with the Eurobasket and uh, his history of injuries that he may reach a point where, you know, something happens? Yeah, well, you know, you're always concerned. Uh, but what's been really neat about Gallo is he's he's been um, a warrior through all this. And I think there's a part of me, quite frankly, think the bone bruise is never a good thing. But for Gallo to feel good enough about, you know, getting the bone bruise, playing through it, being effective with uh, the, the, the nicks and bruises that inevitably are going to come up, um, I think that was the last kind of step of him being fully back. Yeah. Um, and, he, I mean, he's been an Iron Man. Uh, we asked him to do so much. Um, it's constantly monitored. Um, but he wants to be out there. And if we ever think uh, we need to rest him, that'll be a decision that's made by our training staff that's excellent with, with Coach Malone's blessing. Uh, but he wants to be out there. I think he's enjoying being back at this level of basketball. Um, and, geez, he, he's been great for us thus far. I think looking at how, how are you seeing the relationship going between Coach Malone and the team especially guys like Kenneth Fareed and Danilo Gallinari and Jameer Nelson, I mean, guys that have been around for, for a little bit. I think it's been great. I think what, um, you know, of the course of all our background on um, coach, and obviously I had some firsthand um, experience, players like uh, Mo. Um, he's demanding. He's meticulous. He's hardworking. He's very honest and very upfront. Um, and he, uh, what I also like, he can make a really tough point and then, it, there's no grudge held. There's no animosity. Um, so I, I think it's been the coaching staff has done a fantastic job of developing these relationships quickly. Um, Mike spent a lot of time um, this summer in Italy, reached out to all our guys, and many got the job developing those relationships. Um, what the, the, the saying is that they don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think yeah. Mo yeah. exemplifies that. Um, I'm very, very um, excited that we have the staff in place, and I think um, – They've done a great job quickly developing relationships with some of the holdover guys, and the, the hold, uh, a lot of our veterans have really enjoyed the new staff. I think uh, anytime you have a, a transition from a coaching staff to another coaching staff, there's going to be you know getting to know each other kind of uh, a transition, and I, I think that the the feeling yourself it's feeling the way around is basically the one I see, the way I see the early part of this season is because you you know it you can have all the preseason and, and preparation you want until you actually get out there game to game to game you're not going to be able to know you really truly get the feel of a player or a coach no question and how they deal with the adversity and all that stuff because that's really where the where the middle where the rubber meets the road I think no it's it's look it's not just a brand new coaching staff but look how many We've got this year um, three new starters. Yeah. Um, uh, the Gallo that we all you know, know and love, he's back, um, playing a ton of young guys. Um, we had three days of practice in our first preseason game. <laughs> um, so there, w- with change, there's always going to be um, kind of uh, various um, pitfalls and struggles, and we've seen a lot of those. It hasn't always been pretty. Um, but, again, um, I-, I like the direction we're trending and I really like the environment that um, that Coach Malone and staff have created. Yeah, I didn't know much. I guess I didn't watch a ton of Sacramento Kings games when Malone was a coach there. Uh, he's fiery on the sideline. I didn't. I didn't know he had 
sometimes I've, I've joked where I've worried about his said I've worried about his blood pressure and maybe he needs anger management classes <laughs> sometimes. I mean, he he really does. I mean, there's there's that fieriness, and I I look at a guy like like Steve Kerr who always seems to be smiling and joking when he's on the sideline, and and it's a different style, but. It, he does still seem to connect very well with players. No, Mike's a competitive guy. I think one of his greatest attributes is his competitiveness and his, his natural fieriness. He's also a great guy, real good guy, great sense of humor, and he's able to, you know, have those moments and then be done with it, which is, I think it's a unique skill set. I also would say I think Mo would be smiling a little bit more if, if we switched rosters. <laughs> I, I, I think it's pretty – Coach Kerr is a fantastic, he's doing a fantastic job, but it's – with the way they're playing right now, geez, well, you better smile. Yeah. <laughs> right. If the if if only st- another Steph Curry was out there, right? yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. all on us to make most smile. <laughs> yeah. And you you talked about you said you know you recognize the the struggles that some of the veteran guys have had you know playing so far this season. Where do you guys stand on on, on how patient do you think you'll be you know with it's such a young team? Or what are you guys' maybe expectations as you're going to build up towards a trade deadline? And, and December 15th even, I mean, there's already, you know, in the Twitter world, there's little buzzes of trade talk already. With yeah, no, this is a big week with the non-bird free agents can be traded this week. Uh, yeah, we're constantly evaluating where we are. Um, like I said, we'll meet with um, collectively as a staff another, you know, seven to nine games. Um, and where we are relative to the record is going to be – impactful the type of moves we look to make um where we what we look like when when yuke is healthy um how did the rotation shake out uh certainly unfortunately i can have wilson all year long but we should be a couple weeks away from being healthy minus wilson so then who are the odd men out um you know what are the guys that have, have most um gained the coach's trust and are guys that we can really plan not just this year but moving forward with so <laughs> i think we're always pretty aggressive um, and we have to be. We're, we're not good enough. Um, as much as I say I like the trend, uh, we're certainly not happy with eight and fourteen. And it's it's um, it's a wins and losses league, and we got to we got to figure out the best fifteen guys to allow us to get more wins and losses. So um, we've had a lot of discussions um, internally already. What's December fifteenth look like? Would this guy move? Would make sense? Would we're always looking to be opportunistic? Um, but I think. Um, the record um, at progressively as the season moves on and how the specific rotations kind of uh, fall in place, it, it, it'll be pretty obvious what, what potential moves we'll look to make. And, and um, again, we hope to be aggressive. I mean, we could have as many as four first-round picks this year. I think realistically we're probably looking at two. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have r- return the lion's share of our roster. We're going to have a ton of cap room, which is not unique. There's a lot of teams with a ton of cap room. I think right. the one thing's unique with us is we're going to re- return pretty much a full roster. So uh, there'll be no gun to our head to, to, to um, spend in any specific position, which we'll look to improve. Uh, but it's um, well, we want to be aggressive. We, we think we have a bunch of guys we can grow with, but in, until we're where Golden State was last year, we're not good enough, and that, that's – only happens through free agency, the draft or trades, and um, you know I, I think the last couple of years we've been, we've um, we've gotten lucky with some of the trades, um, and hopefully we can um, find find um, something as the trade market picks up that potentially can improve our team not just for now but for the long term as well. well it's you know, always a hard when your team is injured. I mean that that kind of makes the 
evaluation process is a little more complicated, specifically when it comes to trades and and stuff like that. It's like, how do you really know what the roster is going to look like? No, it's know? it's really. I just feel for obviously the players, but the coaches. It's really difficult on them. And then that was probably my longest answer ever. I don't even know what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> about midway through that, I, I forgot. What, like, what, what, what was I answering? I was thinking about that. the laundry list that my wife just sent me. <laughs> yeah, because well, yeah, we look at. I mean, obviously we. It's been a discussion this year where people talk about, you know, man, it would be really nice if they had Evan Fournier still. He's leading the Magic in scoring. And then, you know, we can say, well, yeah, but, you know, they turned the Fournier trade into a flawless, which turned into Will Barton. And, you know, I, I, that's a great debate, Barton versus Fournier. You know, I, I, I love Will Barton, and I, I would – trades are a tough game, right? Oh, well, I mean, especially with young guys. I love Evan. We, we did that trade with our eyes open. Um, it, it was a short-term play, and it, it, it was not – it did not work out well. So that was a bad trade. Um, we are not – I talked to Evan quite often. I, I think Evan – I think this is really who Evan is. I think he can, he can be an, a guy average 15 points a game. Yeah. Um, we, got, we got very fortunate that we got Will Barton. Um, I love Will Barton. Um, so on a macro, you can say, yeah, but when you look at it in, independently, the initial trade didn't work. We, we thought we were adding a veteran two guard to cement the starting five and we could make a, um, a legitimate run to the playoffs. Um, certainly none of that materialized, um, and, and it's not to, to Aaron's fault. It just didn't work, and Aaron's playing really well in New York. Good guy, good player. Um, you know, it's uh, end of the day, we're very fortunate to have Will Barton. We're, we're fortunate enough to get some uh, additional uh, compensation in way of a potential first or two seconds, um, and um, I, I'm just – we're very lucky that we got, got a guy like Barton, and I'm proud of Evan, and I hope he continues to play well. Hey. Go ahead. I was going to kind of change if you're on the same subject. Yeah, I was going to change too. So you change, and then I'll change again. We'll, we'll just keep him on his toes. So that's what we'll do. When we look at these these first round picks that you talk about, how important are those still in the NBA? Like, are those still highly coveted? Like, would could we see you guys trade some picks? Yeah, I mean, certainly we could. But I, I think they're probably the most important assets in the league right now, uh, relative to the rising cap. Uh, the rookie scales aren't changing. You know, their grandfather didn't. So if you get starting level production from a rookie, or you know, God forbid, a, a star level production, rotation level, those numbers are, are so they're rising exponentially. So if you get the cost certainty of a, a two plus two contract, uh, restricted free agency, you control the player fundamentally for the you know a, a huge uh, portion of his early career. So yeah. I, I think their value has has increased you know three or fourfold. Um, as we've seen the cap dramatically increase, and we're going to see the cap continue to do that for the next several years. So you got a laundry list of stuff. We, we don't have to keep talking basketball with you. We do always do a little TV talk. Are you, are you and the you and the wife watching any new great shows? The only show we're watching is, is about a maniac nine month old who, who doesn't sleep <laughs> and has learned to crawl and stand and throw things. Um, it's it's really it's a fascinating show that changes daily. Yeah, there you go. Um, I heard you know. Um, I watched a cool documentary recently. Um, it's, a, it's not it's not recent. It's called the Stairwell Staircase. It's about a court case in Raleigh. I think like 2001. It was a debate whether the wife was pushed down the staircase mm. or she fell. It was I think ten <laughs> episodes. Real, it was really intriguing. Ten episodes. It was all, it was all you know real footage from the original trial. It's it, it left me guessing until the very end. Really? That was good. Um, this time of year, I don't I don't really watch any TV. It's just games. My DVR is all what about, games. What about Creed? No, it's that that the movie. Yeah, the Rocky. 
We, we, we were going to the movies the other day. We got a sitter, and we were both so tired. <laughs> <laughs> we were both so tired. We rented Ted too. Okay. Um, yeah. And did you enjoy that one? Very highbrow. Yeah, yeah. Very highbrow. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it won a lot of awards. I think it's up there with the Great Gatsby. For yeah, it is. Uh, I have been watching. Uh, there's a Netflix original called River. That's really good. Andy uh, Feinstein told me about a uh, Netflix. Uh, maybe Netflix of um, series about um, if if we lost World War Two. Yeah. No, it's uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, it's, is that uh, good? Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. called Man in the High Castle. Okay. Yeah, it's really mm, good. Yeah. yeah, I watched the first episode of Narcos. That was good. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, but you can't download man. Netflix. Right? No, so yeah, it's, it's always streaming. There's very little TV time right now at the Conley household. <laughs> can you do that with the Amazon? Can you can you download Amazon? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm completely in the dark. I I, I can barely operate my phone. So <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's some good. Uh, I haven't actually seen any real movies lately, though. I, I haven't really gone anywhere. No, I went no, to no. the movies. Um, Oh, by myself, when we played Oklahoma City, I saw um, Sicario. Oh yeah, that looked good. It was yeah, it was intense. He's a good actor. Um, and I used to go to movies by myself a lot on the road, mm-hmm. which is fine. But going to movies by yourself, like at seven thirty on Saturday night, you get some weird looks. Yeah. <laughs> What's this guy yeah. doing? Yeah. <laughs> What's his story? You know, the matinees are cool. <laughs> when it's date night, and I'm you know. There's one guy yeah. in there by himself. Yeah. I wonder why he's here. <laughs> Were you a fan of the Rocky movies? Yeah, I like the Rocky movies. The yeah. Creed one was great. I was just it saw really? it last weekend. I thought wow. it was awesome. Oh, you saw, you actually saw that? Okay. I'm a big Michael B. Jordan fan, so he's good. He was in The Wire. Which What was he in The Wire? Uh, he was one of the uh, corner boys. Oh, really? Yeah. I think he got he ended up getting killed off. I think he was the kid that went to live with his like relatives in the country for a while, and then he ended up coming back, and then they, I think, killed him, I believe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was good. He was good in that. I think he had cornrows in that, though. He was real young. He was like a, I don't know, he was probably 12 or 13. The guy who was in foster homes in The Wire? Was that kid? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then he was in Friday Night Lights. He was on that oh, TV yeah, show. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's good. No, I, 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 I saw, and I'm just happy to see Luther's coming back. Did you ever see Luther? Uh, Luther. With uh, Idris Elba? No. That's, he's a good actor. That's well, a really good show. He uses his real voice, the English accent. He's, he's just yeah. as a huge Arsenal one. fan. Yes. Yes, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Tomago uh, Collins hook him up with some free gear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, he's, he's a good guy to be friends with. Um, yeah, other than that, I'm not really, I haven't really um, done that. I've, I've, have you seen any good concerts uh, before the season started? You know what? I've done nothing cool. Um, I, I, I'll rephrase it. It's very cool hanging out with my daughter and wife. No. <laughs> <laughs> Become a family man. I love it. Well, I, I saw, you know what? It was pretty cool. In New York, I was scouting. I went to a late show at uh, the Comedy Cellar, mm-hmm. and on top of the Comedy Cellar, they have a, a bar and restaurant. It's really neat. You see the, a lot of comedians work on their act before they go downstairs. Mm-hmm. Walk in. It was Guy from Night Live, Louis C.K., oh, wow. Judd Apatow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and I just read Jap- Judd Apatow's book. Really? Um, he, he put a book out. It was really neat. It's all went to charity about how when he was young, he used to um, cold call all these comedians. I don't know if you saw that. And he interviewed them for his high school uh, radio station. Oh, so very the, cool. the collection of these interviews over the course of years. Now, obviously, now he has much more access. But he was 15, 16, I think, interviewing Jay Leno and really neat. Um, <laughs> wow. So I, I actually said, hey, you know, I never, he was right next to me. He said, I really enjoyed your book. And it was especially neat that you gave all the proceeds to charity. Talked to him for a couple minutes. And then saw some really funny comedians downstairs. That's, that oh, was fun. Oh. Yeah. That's but a nice fun. Very nice guy. And the, the book's a neat read. I, you know, it's um, comedians. I think it's a, it's a tough profession. Those guys are very creative and it's not an easy life. No, um, I'm sure it's so. not. You constant travel. Yeah, have you ever seen that uh, documentary uh, Road Comic? Yep. 
That's it. That, yeah. That's tough. Yes. Is that Adam Carolla's? Or that's different? No. No. Yeah. no. But something similar, I think. Yeah. yeah. Seinfeld has one. I love stand-up. I'd love to go to the Comedy Cellar sometime. You got to go. And it's, it's, it's one of my favorite places. They have three or four shows daily. You never know who's going to show up and just try out new material. Um, it's very intimate. It's probably seats, oh, maybe, I don't know, 60 people. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's one of my favorite things to do. And they always have a late show. So after games, sometimes we'll just jump in an Uber <laughs> and go check it out. Yep. Thanks for the time, Tim. We Thanks, appreciate guys. it. Yeah. All right. Fun time as always. Thank you, Tim. We'll see you guys next week.